when you face that adversity head on and you bounce back, you never bounce back to where you were before because what you go through, you grow through. You learn from your experiences. How's it going, my friend? This is your coach, Joseph Surfati, and you're listening to the Mindfully Resilient Podcast. Now, if this is your first time tuning into this show, you are definitely starting with the right episode. I mean, this one has been long overdue, way overdue. I have someone quite special, someone who's made a significant impact in my journey, pretty much in my life, joining me today for an eye-opening, wholehearted, and fun two-part conversation. My guest today is an award-winning international speaker, six-time U.S. Army Soldier of the Year, Master Fitness Trainer, Master Resilience Trainer, Counterintelligence Agent, and Decorated Combat Veteran. He is a certified speaking professional, a member of the National Speakers Association, and a graduate of the John C. Maxwell Coach, Teacher, Trainer, and Speaker course. He has trained over 1 million service members and civilians through Operation Fit to Fight and created the Operation Family Fit video series and Family Fitness Kits for the Air National Guard. He has won countless awards in the fitness industry, including the Ideal World 2016 Fitness Instructor of the Year and the CanFit Pro 2017 and, most recently, 2019 International Presenter of the Year. He was awarded his 10th Army Commendation Medal for creating the Warrior Fit Camp Program for the Tennessee Army National Guard Suicide Prevention Task Force, helping thousands of armed service members turn stress into strength and obstacles into opportunities through physical and emotional resiliency coaching and leadership training. Beyond the business card, he is my teacher, mentor, and very dear friend. He is Ken Weikert, also known as Sergeant Ken. Yes, the Sergeant Ken. In my years of knowing him, he has inspired and empowered numerous lives around the globe, including yours truly. What I believe may be through some sort of divine intervention, he came into my life at a time when I needed to hear and learn his lessons the most. And I hope you're listening to this episode at a time you need a good dose of resilience the most as well. So without further delay, get ready to feel that same impact of hope and inspiration I felt that day in August of 2013 in Toronto without the intense boot camp, of course, and enjoy part one of my conversation with Sergeant Ken. All right. Well, Ken, thank you very much for joining me today. So guys, listen up. You've been hearing his name throughout, I don't know how many, 20 some episodes and you've heard me reference him, quote him. I don't think, oh. I don't think this episode, this podcast or the coach, you know, speaking right now to you would be here today for warrant for this gentleman, Sergeant First Class Ken Weikert. The founder, I would say, I would say like the the, uh, the the silent founder of the Mindfully Resilient podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's you, buddy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, one of your partners in crime. Well, you know, I truly appreciate it. And thank you for very much. I think, you know what? I don't know what, what took us so long. I mean, you deserved a, like, we needed you in the second episode. The first episode was inaugural. Even the inaugural episode, <laughs> you had to be there. But I'm glad we're finally doing this now. 
And um, I totally appreciate everything uh, from the beginning. And you know the story. And yeah. some of the listeners know a little bit of the story. So I'm going to give a quick recap of how we met. And what's really yeah, interesting, great. It's, it's just how everything just snowballed in a good way, you know? Right. So prior to 2013, and I shared this story with our f- friends on Project Hope, where I was low on the resilience tank. I, was, I had, de- had depression and mm-hmm. really struggled with managing my temper. You know, I'm not proud of that one. And then in 2012, my wife, Suzanne, was a fitness professional at the time and still mm-hmm. is. And she went to the CanFit Pro Conference in Toronto. She yeah. comes back at the end of the weekend and she throws me a GX United magazine. So GX United is a group fitness magazine. Uh, and you had an article in there and she said, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet Sergeant Ken. Really? And I, I, w- I wasn't sure. I, I was like, okay, because she knew I liked anything military. And at the time I was doing a lot, I was playing a lot of military simulation paintball and learning, actually taking tactical lessons. <laughs> so, remember that story. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And I was doing like, I was learning the one, two, three, four position, all that stuff to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. breach a room. Stacking. Yeah. 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 And, and so I'm like, okay, fine. So the following year, 2013, I go in as a fitness enthusiast and I sign up for your session, the boot camp session outside. I was supposed to be indoors, but oh, you said, let's. Goodness, right, that Sunday morning where the cops came. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a noise complaint. Yes, I wouldn't blame them on a Sunday morning with the music blasting downtown Toronto. And, and my voice is loud enough. Oh, gosh, it projects. <laughs> it's, it projects. You don't even. Yeah, I remember when the police came, they, told, they, they shut down the PA system. And then they stayed there. And then in between intervals, I, I came over to the police. I said, you know, really sorry about this. Uh, you know, we turned off the PA system altogether. And he goes, he goes, but it's still the same volume. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you. I said, yeah, that's, uh, that's my drill sergeant voice. He goes, but I'm sticking around. I'm getting sweaty just watching. <laughs> so you're like scared and you're like you're nervous what, what are they going to say next and all of a sudden he wants to hang around yeah I'm not, I'm not in my country I'm, at, I'm you know I'm from the USA and I'm in Canada and I'm wanting to really make a good impression it's the beginning of my civilian fitness career really for the most part of my you know my 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 major part of my journey and and then there was uh I think four uh, p- uh policemen and you know everyone in Canada is really nice right and um, and I'm not used to that because you know some of the uh, some of the uh, violence that uh, I'm, I'm used to seeing in some of the other areas of the world um, is not what I get in Canada. So I didn't really know what to expect, but it, yeah. they stayed the entire class. And yeah, and that that was uh, your first experience with me. So go on. Yeah, well, I didn't last. I'll tell you right now the truth. I did not last. 20 minutes and we got there were sand bells and and jumping jacks with the tubes and at one point i i was gassed but i was telling in my sharing my story with the project hope team that that's where i started feeling like i belonged yes i belong somewhere where i felt the spark and that was and after that i remember we did my first stack plank with you (laughs) i was like i'm gonna try this out oh yeah the the photo op at the end where we do the triple decker plank or something like that it was first a double decker right yeah yeah Yeah. go on and i remember that photo and every time i see that photo it just brings back some great memories yes that's what it was supposed to do exactly because well when we're connected like that when we're brothers at arms 
Um, it's supposed to bring back the good memories of the fight we have been through together. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, it brings a smile to my face when I see that all the time. And I'm like, this is where it all began in yeah. a way. And, uh, and it grew from that, there because it wasn't just um, uh, boot camp classes and, and circuit training and all that. It's, uh, um, if, I, if I recall, you even um, had uh, the uh, opportunity to uh, sit in with my wife's life coaching program and my resilience uh, training program uh, years ago. Yeah, well, yeah. So I didn't know about Stephanie back then, but I, I, I knew she was, you mentioned something that she was like in the next, in the room next door. So I didn't yeah. have the opportunity to meet her that year. Right. And um, I remember that. So later that afternoon, I attended the resilience workshop, Road to Resilience. And yes. Uh, and it floored me. I actually had tears to my eyes because I knew. And you saw Suzanne, so my wife, she was pregnant with our first. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is okay. And this comes and in. And I love feeling. your kids. Oh, I love oh, your daughters. But, yeah. oh gosh. And, well, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Abby talks a lot about you too. After every family boot camp. She was scared to death of me at first. The first. But then a, two, a week later or a day later, she goes, I want to do Mr. Ken's class again. <laughs> we're just like, Oh, that uh, the operation family fit, um, obstacle course with the parents and the, and the children. Oh, wow. What a joy to watch her, her, her face completely light up while holding your wife's hand while running down those lanes. It was, uh, yeah. And I know we're jumping ahead cause you were talking about the beginning when we first meshed in all this, but you're right. Yeah. It was, it, it was about, it was about looking at that one dimension of fitness that, I mean, at the time we're, we're talking around 2015, right? But was 13. when, Oh, two, 2013. We met in 13. So yeah, but but uh, when is it that you had my first resilience class? Was it 2013? That was the workshop. Wow! The oh my goodness. But go, well, let's look back then because that really uh, that really sells this point that it was during a time in the fitness industry that we really weren't talking about the emotional dimension. And we used to look at fitness and say, just say, you know, fitness is 80% nutrition and 20% physical fitness. And, you know, we came forward and said in, during the road to resilience, I know you remember, is that we said that, you know, well, no, fitness is in seven dimensions, really, because the word fit is to make you better about something that you're deficient in in your life. Really, that's the general 40,000-foot view. Oh, well, what that means is that, yeah, I'm not eating right. That's nutritional fitness. Uh, I'm not working out enough uh, or the right way or not at all. And that's physical fitness. And, and then the emotional fitness, is, that's the big thing that's the sticking factor. Because, you know, um, the, the problem I had, uh, you know, I've been in the military now for, I'm going on my 33rd year of total military service between active duty and the reserves in the Army National Guard in the state of Tennessee where I live. And, you know, the thing that is tough for me as a, uh, as a facilitator and, and as, a, as a, a fitness and as a, a leader among soldiers is that how do I get them to do the training during the 28 days that they're not in front of me because I only see them one week in a month, two days a month, right? And same thing for personal trainers. You see them maybe once, twice, three times a week if you're lucky, right? So what are they doing in the other days? Probably the same old bad habits because they're waiting for that accountability piece mm -hmm. by being right in front of you, okay? And so that was the big thing. And what I realized is, is that 
if that was the difference between influence and impact, when you influence someone, you motivate them, but when you impact them, there's a heart change. And when there's a heart change, there's a lifestyle change. And that, so I said, how can I approach that? That's through the emotional dimension. You know, you, when you're sitting there and they're warming up, on the treadmill, not saying that's how we, you warm up someone is, you know, simply by sticking them on the treadmill, but let's just go through a little role-playing exercise. They're warming up on the treadmill and you just finished somebody, you're looking over your notes to see what you're going to do with that next person. And, you know, you're talking to that person. And in the first five minutes of that warm up, that session with you, you know, what are you normally listening to? What are they normally just yakking about? Their problems. You know, I hate my job. My kid was up all night because he's sick, you know, and it, it, I realized, oh my goodness, personal trainers have something that true psychological health counselors, clinical psychologists take numerous sessions to get to. That point of vulnerability and that point of victory through trust. So when I realized, wait a minute, we're already life coaches. And so I started using the stuff that I learned from the University of Pennsylvania School of Positive Psychology while studying under Dr. Martin Seligman, who's the grandfather of positive psychology and resilience. And I started using it. And then while I'm listening to, you know, this person warming up on the treadmill, I had this little, this little, this little emotional fitness, I guess I call it a clandestine grenade, right? And I dropped it right there out in the conversation, right there on her heart. And she had this epiphany, right? And she, once I knew that her, her eyes lit up and she had this revelation about where she needed to go in her life, just oh, the imagine, imagine how good the workout was after we approached it from here first, the heart voice first. It was exponentially better. And so, you know, emotional fitness and social fitness, that bonding, that connection, um, family fitness. And I would even say financial fitness is the sixth piece, right? Uh, mm. You know, even though we don't have direct access to that, but I've occasionally brought in people to my boot camp programs uh, that were financial freedom experts and do these uh, workshops once every three months during our wellness, you know, retreats and have them talk about how to eliminate debt. And that, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's a proven fact um, and, and stated in the Veterans Administration that over 90% of the divorces that happen in the U.S. military because of finances. And so if that's something that they're lacking in their life, isn't financial fitness something that we could do or at least take a look at on the way that we can help lift them up in some way and, and make them feel better than they were before? And then there's spiritual fitness too. You know, for me, it's my relationship with God. And for someone else, it might be meditation. But those are seven dimensions right there. And if we, once we, um, once you and I got acquainted and we were sharing notes about that experience from the road to resilience being the emotional fitness piece, I think you too understood that it was the sticking factor that was definitely working for me and my leadership efforts with both the military and with civilians. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, and that's what got me is that you just like connected and you know, the way you teach you say you lead from the heart, teach from the head. Correct. And you inform impact and power you know, by connecting, developing rapport and building a relationship. And exactly. That's, and that's what happened. That's what happened. And I always use that as a foundation when I meet 
and you, oh, it doesn't good. have to be my athletes, my students, it could be anybody else. And right. what, what I really, um, picked up from, well, in our years together and years in our, in our French, but our mentorship together was the, the aspect of leadership and fitness. And mm-hmm. I find that mm-hmm. this is what is missing. And then it's not just fitness, it's in general, but through your class, through the bootcamp, the workshops that you have led in, through the conferences and uh, online, even with Project Hope right now, which we'll be talking about uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yes, and- John C. Maxwell. You know, when I got certified by him in 2015, uh, that was another eye-opener for me because you're right, leadership is, is the fundamental part of how we can excel as a coach, not just a trainer. And you know, no offense to, to the people that are still using that language as uh, a personal trainer, but you know, it's, if that's the frame of mind, then what happens is we're limiting our beliefs about how much effect we can have on people. And uh, you know, you know, when John C. Maxwell came out and said that, you know, the purpose of a leader is to uh, improve the lives of those that follow them. That's it. And I just went, Oh, that's it. Because, you know, I was constantly trying to think of myself as a manager of plans and operations, but that was the difference between the what and the why. You know, a manager manages the what, but the leader influences and impacts through the why. Why do we do this? Why do we exist on the earth? Are we simply a personal trainer? Or do we look at our role in life as someone that's going to improve someone else's life, lift them up, and help them reach success that's beyond the limits of personal trainer. And that's more like thinking like a coach. And yes, and that is true leadership. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I felt. And that day in 2013, it just, it created, it just skyrocketed because what, after that I, I, I attended, I actually got certified and my notes here. So for listeners right here, I'm holding up to the camera my notes from my first uh, workshop, my certification, level one bootcamp. Oh right yeah, here. man. <laughs> oh, that was amazing too. June, 2016. So we've yep. been like attending your workshops, but then we had the, 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 the certifications available in Canada around yep. that time. So I took advantage of that. amazing about that. Yeah. And I did back to back sessions like level one and level two right after. Right. Um, we, that was the year that we were doing a double. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so, you know, and, that, and that's where, uh, like, it all, you know, it's a snowball. And I'll just say this, is that six years later, when you did the pilot for the Family Fit, Operation Family Fit. Right. My daughter, she came to your session. And that's the one, she was, the, she was scared. I have a picture where she's holding on to, to Suzanne. And she's like, oh, uh, and, like, and you're like, hi, I'm Mr. Ken. And how are you? And you're like, so gentle, so like, you know, like the father figure, you know, and yeah, and but look, scared. even if I sound with a soft voice, I've got the, uh, the, the sort of the menacing Bruce Willis that does pushups look. <laughs> I think it was the camo, but you know, she said, yeah. I don't think she ever saw me wearing camo and, and right. so, but you impacted her and you know how you see, I know how you say, uh, rather than leaving uh, 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 give a living a legacy with someone, but leave a legacy within someone. Yeah. Yeah. Never. A legacy is not what you leave for someone. It's what you leave in or inside of someone that fire to, uh, constantly, uh, strive for excellence instead of excuses. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the comprehensive version. Yeah. And that's what happened. That's what happened right there. Because now after that, she's been impacted. She talks about you. She sets up boot camp obstacle courses, taking my Libra fitness equalizers and, and oh, putting them she's around. still doing that. That's and amazing. The, still does. And she'll ask me, daddy, can we work out? So you'll see her. She'll grab a 10 pound kettlebell, start swinging and then like do three reps and go to the next station. But she creates these obstacle courses. And wow. She, yeah. You know, seriously, she could set up the next class. And so but just think about it. If you think about it, I met you. She was about, she was maybe through like eight, Susie, Susanna, well, Susie, she was eight weeks, eight months pregnant, eight months pregnant. So we're talking about like almost, you know, almost there. And then six years down the road or five years down the road, she's there like doing your yeah. boot camp classes. Like you yeah. see like, the, like how it just ended up. And I, I look, I look at that and I was, I was like, wow. And I was, when we did, and that little uh, video we did for you uh, as a tribute, as a thank you. Man, we did that just, I was choked up inside <laughs> trying to hold, hold the, uh, the gusher of tears of joy uh, right there on that Zoom call when you guys presented to me. I had no idea. Oh, we all got together. It was, such a, uh, it was such this wonderful you know, bundle of grace and happiness all rolled into a, a short video. Well, that, and, and it was like, we wanted to do something. We wanted to do something. And when I was put, I was helping the team put it together. Cause that's, I like doing that. I like putting, stitching everything together. And I had a bunch of clips from the conferences I took as a social media volunteer and as a delegate. Yep. And first off, I'm going to say that the, the shoutbacks, the cadence call. Yes. I, you will hear in the background, the people who shout back are all the, the leaders from the project hope team. A lot of them. And the last bit, when Steve goes encore, that was Abby recorded twice, layered on top of each other. And she was standing there, recorded it. And she keeps on singing that every time after the, after the last boot camp we did at the conference, she was singing that. By the way, listeners, if you're wondering what we're talking about, um, we, there's an, org, uh, an initiative we're doing right now, a program called Project Hope to instill hope in uh, for people who, who need that hope in, in, in times of a storm. And, and we as a team, the leadership team, so the, uh, the keynote speakers, we got together and created this thank you video for Ken and Stephanie for giving us the hope we needed in a time of chaos. And, um, and so we did this little tribute video and it was... It was fun. And you know what? And I saw the video, like, and then, then I put the clips of Abby and I was like, wow. I was just like amazed. And I was looking at all these photos and I was like, the, the, the timeline is just amazing just to look back. And um, so I'm going to say thank you again uh, for everything you're doing for us, for me. I mean, my absolute pleasure. It's uh, if you really want to live like a coach and, and a leader and lift, um, lift up others, uh, you know, uh, that those are the things that you just do selflessly and instinctively uh, so that um, you can live by those values. And you know what, you, um, you I have been a role model for me as well. As I uh, it goes both ways, message. bro. You've kept me uh, <laughs> grounded in when, you know, because um, I always go in, uh, go in thinking that, you know, who are the ones that have always been there? during my development. And so, um, I've bounced a lot of ideas back off of you and you've been there, uh, a great sounding board for these things. So, you know, I appreciate you just the same. Oh man. You know, that's why we're, we're brothers. 
yep. family. And mm-hmm. uh, you know what? It's uh, we do. We're in this together. Good. And this is actually going to lead into my question. I love asking. Okay. This question. Good. Let's do this. You know what? <laughs> we're already in it, and I'm yep. going to say because we have we know Sergeant Kim fitness instructor, uh, presenter, uh, uh, soldier. Yeah. The list goes on father, but who is Ken Weicker beyond the business card? Mm. What is your, why your purpose? What drives Mm. you? You know, um, during that one class that I think that you took with me called mastering the game of growth, we talk a great deal about, um, understanding your why, your purpose, and, and um, your passion. And um, in, during the development part of that uh, particular workshop, which is now a mastermind that we'll be probably doing together very soon, Project Hope Academy, um, we talked about you know, what it takes to discover this. And, you know, Pablo Picasso, famous, uh, of course, artist, was made famous for this quote that he said that he, um, that no one can prove that he actually wrote. But the the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. Mm -hmm. And so what I got from that is, is that, you know, if we continue to serve and, and, and help others, um, isn't that something that will always keep us going and will always uh, make us better through the communion that happens through community? And, um, and so I said, well, how do we do that? And then that's when we talked about uh, Tommy Newberry's uh, strategies on, uh, through his book, Success is Not an Accident, a great goal-setting coach. And we talked about uh, how to do uh, a mission statement. Um, because a mission statement is a representation of your vision, and your vision is a representation of your why. Because I'm not just um, a trainer, I consider myself as a coach, someone that's going to look at all of the dimensions of fitness, what I call seven dimensions of fitness. I call it comprehensive fitness, and which is also what the University of Pennsylvania calls it. And so, and so in, in approaching it with this, this helps me understand the why. Okay. And so in doing that, I have to say, okay, what's the mission statement? How can I use this mission statement? Well, the mission statement is a written articulation of how you see yourself in the best given potential written in the present tense. I say again, it's a written articulation of how you see yourself in the best given potential written in the present tense. And you know this too, because we've gone through some of the same training uh, brother, so you know that the reason why it's written in the present tense, and for your uh, listeners that, or your watchers, your viewers, your audience members that don't know this, is the reason why it's written in the present tense is because when you actually review it, you read it, or you hear it, if you've pre-recorded it and you're listening to it as your own little personal podcast um, for your own p- development, when you hear it written in the present tense, you think it's true today. And what happens is it actually gets your mind to think of it as a GPS, a, a map or a compass. And it's, it's really the, the way you look at that is that if you were hiking in the woods uh, without 
um, any cell phone coverage, without a map, without any GPS, without a compass, what are you? You're lost! And isn't that how most, uh, uh, most people that we know in our industry are going through their lives every single day? You know, I did consulting for several companies, and I remember going in and asking the personal trainers during the assessment phase of the consulting, saying, you know, what are you doing for your clients tomorrow? Well, same thing I'm doing today. What are you doing for your clients the next day? Same thing I'm doing today. What are you doing? What are you really doing? That's for someone that's lost, that doesn't mm -hmm. understand the why. Because the what are the programs that you produce. The why is, why did you produce it that certain way? And so you got to dig into that. And, you know, um, you know, you know that how I questioned uh, you and uh, some of the other people that are in our little circle of influence that day. And I said that, you know, how you got to make certain that when you understand your why, that you start to focus on all your goals are growth mindset goals that support that why. Because you've got your vision, you've got your goals, and you've got your tasks or steps. People call them steps, but they could be tasks. And that's the hierarchy and everything should drive up to support what your vision is. And because if you don't use your mission statement, which is a written articulation of how you see yourself and the best given potential written in the present tense as if it were today, if you don't have that, which is a representation of your why, and you're not constantly reviewing it, you are going to go through some of your days lost. And what happens when we're in the woods, like I said earlier, what happens when we're in the woods and we're lost, we get nervous and we try and get back on path. That's life. Mm -hmm. But if we constantly live up to the values written in our vision through our mission statement, then we can stay on track. Like it's the I am statements of life. Like I am a great daddy that teaches my children a new life skill every single day. I am a life changer that lifts a new soul up every day with one dimension or more of fitness. And most of all, I am a great husband that learns something new about my wife every single day. We got to live up to those values. And, and I realized this one time when I was traveling over 250 days a year, uh, you know, over to China and everywhere. And I remember there was one time I was in China, I was exhausted. And, and as soon as I got in, I got to the hotel, I only had a four hours to uh, uh, sleep before I was supposed to go on and, and brief uh, people on this new wave of fitness and what they're supposed to do with their new initiatives and in, in wellness. And, and I, and I said, well, why is it that I can't sleep? I feel, I feel like I'm lost. And I went, ah, oh, I didn't talk to my wife in 30 hours. And that doesn't live up to my values. So I called her up. I said, honey, is there something maybe interesting or unusual or something I haven't heard of that happened uh, since I saw you last? As a matter of fact, yes. And she goes, la, 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 la. And I, and I realized that I was living up to the values of discovering something new about my wife every single day and growing with her. And when I did that, I was living up to the values that are stated in my vision through my mission statement. Mm -hmm. And that is the difference between impact and influence. We've got to make certain that when we're making these goals, that they're growth mindset goals and they support the values that we have in ourselves 
to change others. And, and, you know, you asked me recently too, you know, um, you know, what is it about you that drives you in the service industry? And so when I'm serving, I actually feel like I'm living. Now, I can also quote, to be more specific, I can quote, you know, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, which I recommend to any of your book. uh, Amazing. It saved my marriage. Because Gary Chapman states that we all have five love languages that we use and some have more precedence in our lives for giving and receiving than others. And, you know, you can take his five minute quiz on his website for free, the five, li- five love languages.com. And I realized that, you know, after taking this, that my love language, how I show love is acts of service. Okay, so I figured since I've been married to my wife for so long, she also had the same love language. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so I got back from Iraq and I was, I was exhausted. I was on a different time zone, but I wanted to show her some love. So I made this gourmet meal. It took me three and a half hours cooking away, making this gourmet meal. And we're sitting there and we're talking. Everything's great. And we're talking. But I realized that my head voice started talking to me saying, hey, she's not complimenting the meal. WTF, right? You know, I mean, I didn't know what was going on, but that's my head voice talking to me. My heart voice said, chill out, have the meal, enjoy the company. All right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm enjoying the company. And when we're done, I take the dishes, I take it over to the dishwasher, you know, first rinse them off in the sink, put them in the dishwasher, say, Hey, honey, let's move it over to the couch and catch up. Well, she lit up inside quality time spent. That's her love language. That's how she receives love more than the other five or the other four rather, because they have quality time spent. And so once you pursue the love language of your, your client, your family member, your friend, whatever it is, once you pursue theirs first, what happens is, is that they recognize what you're trying to do and the value of that connection. And and so what happens is, you know, five minutes into the conversation, she knew I was tired, but she knew I was really trying to make an effort in her love language. She all of a sudden snapped to it and she goes, honey, by the way, that meal was amazing. Mm. Mm. Full Started circle speaking your language, Yeah. You know, and I read, and by the way, speaking of that book, The Five Love Languages, it was actually recommended. You recommended it. And then also Rod McDonald, who was a coach as well. Oh, um, yeah. He's great. Love that. Yeah. Guy. He's. And, uh, you know, at a time where things were, even a couple of years ago, there were things that, you know, we needed to work on some stuff. You know, I got laid off from my job. I'm starting to really build, dig my feet and get my, get solid footing as a full-time fitness professional. Right. And we, we have, you know, a little bit of conflict, so we need to work on it. And I read this book and I took the test first. I read the book and everything made sense. I even had my friend do the same thing took the test twice. The thing is, then I had asked, ask your wife to take the test too. Well, she yes, that's the key right there. And I said, oh, and I, but he was, but he kept on resisting saying, no, she will never do it. Ask, make a time. There will be a time when she's going to do it. Yeah. He did it and he did it again. His love language changed. And I said, and he's like, what's well, weird. But no, it's not weird because no. you, you're more aware of what her love language is. Your love language changed based on that. And you realize right. What's more important for you? And now right. for me, I realized my love language, and I've always n- knew what it was. I didn't have to read the book because I, I just had to understand it. Words of affirmation, words of affirmation, and that where that's where um, I feel like I 
create, I get that connection because yeah. you know, remember that thing about belonging where prior to 2012, like I didn't feel like I belonged in groups, even if though I felt like I belonged, you know, right. Right. Which also kills your um, understanding of significance. If you don't feel belonging that it, and you, that you don't feel significant and, 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 and purposeful and valued. And what happens is, is that it kills your self-esteem. Yeah, no, exactly. And then I, I remember, and then, I read that and then everything made sense. And then I, uh, Suzanne did her exam, her test as well. She read the book too. And her love language, guys, she did the test a couple of times, but the main ones are acts of service and quality time. So occasionally when I can, or I remember, I'll make her a cappuccino in the mornings around 10 a.m. and once, twice a week, you know, and, um, you know, and that's the stuff, little stuff like that. Even uh, preparing a Mother's Day brunch. You know, and this was the perfect opportunity being in in a so in self-isolation in physical distancing where we can't go out to restaurants uh, during the, this COVID-19 pandemic it was an opportunity to do all this stuff. And so we built, you know, made a nice breakfast and but it's just doing the little things. And I think everybody should definitely yeah, read the book. And it's a it's an easy read, too. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I would say it's a small book. In fact, it's one of those little airport reads, uh, even that the way it's shaped, it's it's cut it's in something that you can fit in your back pocket, right? You know, that's how small it is. And and for your uh, your audience members, you know. Again, you're going to have all of those love languages. And so we already talked about acts of service and we talked about words of affirmation and we talked about quality time spent. And then there's physical touch and gifts. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for example, when I went to Iraq, it's a big custom thing that when you come to the host at, of that Iraqi sheikh's house and you, and you come with a gift during the greeting, you've shown love at the highest regard. And so I pursued that while trying to create connection. And it, 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 that's really what the difference is between a team and a tribe, because I, I value that as that how we're going to lift someone's life through the connection of love and grace. And it, isn't, that, isn't that what we need right now? I mean, not to go on a sidebar, but I really, I think if we, if we, if we look through the lenses of grace um, and that we dealt with life with more empathy, we probably wouldn't see such a lack of humanity in the world. And so I'm glad we're on the same sheet of music about how we are living by internal value and not by external validation. And you know what? I'm going to say something. It's, we're, we're talking right now as if it's, it's easy. It is not. It requires no. a lot of work. And we will catch ourselves. And it's daily. Times. Yeah, it's, we, will, we will catch ourselves and we're like, oh, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we will, we will, I will say, quote, unquote, trip. But it's, it's getting up again and not repeating it. Even if you repeat, like, make sure it doesn't happen regularly. Yeah. You, and you just make that awareness. And oh, dude, I just, I, I, you know, I'll be transparent with you for your, uh, especially for your audience members that, you know, the, during this COVID crisis thing and um, depending on when you release this, but during the time that we've been in general community quarantine or some areas in enhanced community quarantine, you know, I've, I've been, a, <laughs> yeah, there are times that I've been a stress bucket too. And um, 
and having them in for friends, family, and everything that I, I probably would, uh, you know, it'd take me longer to recover because, um, you know, through your support system is how that you can recover faster. Dr. Al Siebert wrote the book called The Resiliency Advantage, and he talks about the three key measures of resilience as that, you know, um, your support system genetics and how you think are the three key measures that you pull on to uh, face adversity head on and turn that adversity into an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which might be a good segue to talk about resilience. Yeah, well, resilience. I want to know, like, how, how do resilience, but not talking about like resilience came into your life, but being a teacher of resilience. How did that begin? How did that begin for you? I mean, I have a couple of ideas, yep. but how, how did that begin for you? Did it, I'll let you, I'll actually let you explain. Yeah. yeah. So here it was, it was 2009. Okay. And there was no such thing really as um, a resilience credentialing program under positive psychology yet. We knew that there were start to be um, some announcements through certain periodicals that the university of Pennsylvania under Dr. Martin Seligman and Dr. Karen Rivich and Mm -hmm. uh, would be, um, coming forward with their own curriculum and be the first of its kind. But, you know, and it was 2009 and I had gotten back from Iraq in 2004 and five, no, what, 2003, four. Yeah. Wow. And that from that tour and I, and it was years later, I was still dealing with some PTSD, some things that would trigger me. And then I, and I, the problem about PTSD is people say, well, you can, you can get rid of PTSD. They're liars because PTSD is permanent. PTSD is permanent. I've been doing this a long time. I have more hours teaching resilience than any other soldier in the army national guard guaranteed. I know I do. And so PTSD is permanent. And here's the reason, okay? Because if you look at the, the 40,000 foot view is that post-traumatic stress disorder is a response to a traumatic thing that's happened in your life. Thus the word post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, so that would mean that everyone has PTSD because everyone has had a traumatic thing that's happened in their life. No one is immune from trauma. There's no way. And some people's lives have more trauma than others. It's just that. So it's permanent. Now, how we manage it and how we're able to turn that stress into strength and those obstacles into opportunities, that's what separates from us from being resilient and non-resilient. And so I, I realized in 2009, man, I, you know, not only have I still got some junk, but a lot of my soldiers, because I'm still in the military, I'm still in the reserves, remember, I've been in for 33 years straight. I joined in 1988. Yes. Okay, some of your listeners weren't even alive then. All right, so I was I was and, and, I was in grade one walking around. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So and I rem- and I remember my my soldiers were coming back and then and, and okay, and the reason why I was really moved were two different reasons. One, I was sick of living like this. Now, isn't it a shame? that it often takes us for us to hate something for us to actually make a change in our lives. You know, like we look in the mirror and say, man, I hate the way I look. I got to get back in shape. 
or I hate to feel like this. I hate to have these arguments with my wife because I'm triggered about something which had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with me and my experiences in Iraq or even as far back as childhood, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm sick of this. So that hate made me want to move into some effort of change to pursue healing and then happiness, all right? And then the other reason why I really pursued this education uh, was because there were soldiers that were still going on tours and, um, and they were coming back and, and the, the suicide problem in the U.S. military, awful. I mean, there were, there were quotes on social media saying that there, people were doing these movements of 22 push-ups a day to raise awareness for the 22 suicides a day, which was an incorrect statistic because the Veterans Administration had done additional study and it was really 38 to 44 soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines in the U.S. military that were taking their lives. And I know Canada is not immune from this because there are a lot of Canadians that have dealt with the same thing. It's just that your numbers are less because you've got you know, less of a population and pull the draw from. But that doesn't mean that it's at all, uh, at all less of an effect of what's going on with national readiness and what's going on in the family fronts. And so here it was, I said, well, I want to make a change. I want to stop these suicides. And so the best thing I could do was be the first person in that class. I was in the very first class in 2010, January, 2010, and um, I remember 180 soldiers, most of them drill sergeants, because they're the first people to see those soldiers as soon as they come in and get indoctrinated, right? And so mm-hmm. me, and, and I was just there representing the state of Tennessee, and it was the game changer. It was everything changed from that point on. Because that's where I realized that if we don't tap into this first, they won't see the value in anything that we teach them. That's why I always said very, you know, commonly in our boot camp classes, you got to lead from the heart and teach from the head. Because too often as personal trainers, we come in and, well, today we're doing 80% hypertrophy and 20% general fitness. Who cares? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what they want. And that was the game changer. And so then I, since then though, I started to really say, well, what's going on with other forms of life coaching? And that really, no one will teach you this. This is something that I've discovered with my, because my wife has numerous life coaching certifications. And I've, you know, of course, living in with her, I've, I've, I've had to be the sounding board for her certifications. And so we've, we've seen that there's really three divisions that we believe are in the, in the life coaching world. You've got Clinical psychology, that's the oldest one, right? Mm-hmm. Where the, um, the psychological health counselor, like the marriage counselor, the family counselor, or whatever it is, they will give you guided interrogatives to help you unpack what's going on. They won't tell you what the answer should be because that's an intervention. They give you guided interrogatives for you to unpack it. That sometimes takes numerous sessions. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from that division of life coaching. In fact, I think that that is the ground you stand on. Like in the fitness world, personal training is the ground you stand on. Not group fitness, no offense, but personal training is really the ground you stand on. What can you do with that first individual before you talk about the theatrics of a group? It must first start with personal training. 
and that then that kinesiology and that physiology okay and so that's the one division the second division is the polar opposite is like tony robbins and strategic intervention what happens is is that you know Tony Robbins would hear what's going on and say, nope, that's messed up. This is what you should be doing. Now, that's high risk, could be high yield, could be high failure. Stephanie was also trained by Tony Robbins. She's also trained in the, the foundational approach of clinical psychology um, and uh, through uh, Valerie Burton and the CAP Institute. Um, and then, then there's the, the newest division since 2010, officially, even though it's been around since 2006 through Dr. Martin Seligman, which was positive psychology. And the vehicle for that was resilience. Now, whereas clinical psychology, they give you the, 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 the uh, guided interrogatives for you to unpack the solution. And then the polar opposite being strategic intervention, where no you're messed up. This is the way it should be going. Okay. All right. Of course, I'm really giving the Cliff Notes version. And then resilience. Resilience, we realize that we're all messed up. How can we turn that stress into strength? How can we really look at um, that, uh, the true meaning of success, which is success is when, you, when your dreams are bigger than your doubts and you can't even see that until you're able to take the junk that's going on in your life and turn it into some sort of way of flourishing. And that's really what Dr. Martin Seligman talked about in his book that he released called Flourish in 2011, which is really like 50% of the resilience course from UPenn right there. Now that's going to probably up his sales a little bit right there because he says that we talk about wellness, but wellness doesn't approach everything because Flourish is really an act, like love. Love is not an emotion, it's not a feeling. It's an intentional act. Well, wellness is a state, but when you flourish, you're really not only in a state, but you're also intentionally living in a flourishing life. And that's when fitness is better than it ever has been. And that was the game changer. And so resilience is what settled in my heart. That's what I've been approaching. Uh, and Stephanie uh, got it uh, so certified by uh, Dr. Brene Brown. And her, uh, her training at the time was focused on shame resilience. Because too often in life when we face obstacles of any kind, um, we take on guilt and shame. And guilt is, uh, you know, I did a bad thing, but shame is um, I'm not good enough. And shame, when you're in a state of shame, it's hard to see the value of what resilience really is because truly resilience means is that there's two things that can happen to you when you face an obstacle of any kind, fall apart or bounce back. Mm -hmm. That's it. When you realize those are the only two things that can happen when you face that obstacle of any kind, when you realize that, you also realize well, falling apart is not an option. It's not an option. Okay, now I've eliminated that. Now I'm turning toward the other side of that coin, bouncing back. Well, when you face that adversity head on and you bounce back, you never bounce back to where you were before because what you go through, you grow through. You learn from your experiences. And so when, you re when you've eliminated falling apart and you look at growing from the experience, now there's a time to mourn. I get that. That's healthy. It's healthy to go through that process. But 
no matter what you've been through, falling apart is not an option, but you're going to be better from the experience. And it's hard to see it when you're in the fog of war. That's period. Right. But if that's the only other option, then falling apart and then being better than you were before, somehow, then realizing that trauma is easier to face because of that understanding of resilience. And, and, and I, I totally and I agree with that. And there are a couple of points, uh, especially what, with what's going on right now, um, in a different in a different scenario, where we uh, we hit a pandemic, yeah. COVID nineteen pandemic, mm-hmm. especially for a lot of businesses, my fitness, and also I'll just my colleagues in the fitness industry or in the fitness family rather, they got themselves stuck on a stranded ship. A lot of it. Good metaphor. And, but then it's like, they're looking at social media. They're looking at all these people. Which is worse. (laughs) Which is, and there's a new term. And and this is going to, I'm going to, and in future episode, I'm going to talk about it. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Ooh, that's good. Then we have these, you know, these souls that are looking externally, seeing people doing stuff on social media, on Instagram Live, Facebook Live, all these workouts, and they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not. You brought up the idea of the shame resilience being not good enough, and they see mm-hmm. that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not good, you know, because they see this and they, they don't have this esteem. But what if you do? What if it took that first? You took that first step. You know, to row the ship instead of sitting there watching everybody else in safe lifeboats, life rafts. Right, right. You know, and why don't you take take the helm, try to steer it, set up, you know, set up the sails, do something to move forward. Mm-hmm. And, and we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I'm I'm I fell into this. I fell into this because I saw people when this first started going live every day, and I felt it put a lot of burden on me. Because I had to do that. Then a wise friend of ours, Natalie Lacombe, actually. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. She made an interesting comment about don't feel pressured into doing this. Yeah. Do what you, and and giving free workouts, do what you need to do right now for yourself. And that's one idea. And so you brought that up about, you know, not good enough. And that just triggered a, a, a thought where you are good enough. Right. You are worthy. Our life song matters to somebody. Somebody needs to hear our life song, period. And it doesn't have to be the master. The premise of Stephanie's book, everything I would have said, as you know, and because we've got to be able to uh, say that life song. And I loved your metaphor about being in that rocky boat, right? And just taking yours and rowing through it. Because isn't it true that that our biggest stories are always produced from our strongest storms? It's a fact. Mm -hmm. And so when you grab the oar and you start rowing toward your goal, you're working on your inwardness. And when you work on your inwardness, you are able to have a better efforts of outwardness. 
because you were also referring to what's going on in the uh, the, the crisis right now and the, and and the things we've been dealing with and and I really look at I look at the crisis as you know uh, the power of the pause it, it was it was a necessary interruption it was it was necessary for me because for me um, like John C Maxwell said a crisis doesn't make us, it reveals us what's really going on in our lives. And I realized that I was traveling 250 days a year and I was going so fast, so far trying to say, Hey, I'm doing this thing. And, you know, I'm going through the premier lives I'm going to the lounge doing this. And, and I realized that, um, I, I, I was so busy in the act of doing that. I didn't see what I was becoming and it was changing me. And when I was stuck all of a sudden, and you and I talked about this because, you know, I was leaning on my closest friends, you being one of them. And I, and I said, I said that, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? This and that. So I, I, I realized that this was necessary for me to see what was really important in my life. Because the bottom line is this, is that, like you said, when people are getting on social media trying to figure out what was going on, which is the worst thing to do because they're just going on that, that they're, they're focused on a, a crowded cloud of confusion, uh, calamity, and chaos. Isn't that the truth? Because that's what you're going to see on social media is this fear-mongering and, and people just, they're all crowded in this cloud of confusion, calamity, and chaos. And you know what that means? is that it, they cannot see the world of connection and community if they're stuck in that cloud. Because the cloud, you, you use the metaphor, I'm going to use one too. The cloud represents a lie. What's outside the cloud represents the truth. Mm -hmm. And so although we're rowing and it's some rocky waters, stormy seas, right? Stormy seas. If we know that we're rowing toward a goal that's going to be better than it was before, we shouldn't complain about the storm that we're going through because it sometimes takes that problem for us to have our purpose. Yeah. And to add two things here. Bring it. You, we, we talk about our friend, John C. Maxwell. Love well, John. I know, I've been and right now I'm reading... It's just right now, slow read because I've been reading other stuff. and Which book? He's got over 80. I know. I know. No. The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. And we're talking about a growth mindset. We've been talking about a growth mindset. And especially in a time like now. Yeah. yeah. And that's the next Project Hope uh, project is um, Mindset Mastery. We're going to focus on that with, with speakers that have never talked about mindset. So it's going to be interesting, right? Yeah, no, Go definitely going to be interesting. But I'm going to say something. And, I, and there was one chapter I recently read, which is chapter four, the, uh, pause, the power, the law of the pause. Yeah, the law of the pause. That's right. Yeah. And in order, you know, we run our lives – Busy, busy, busy. You know, we're not mindful. We're not mindful of the time we exactly. have. And all of a sudden, let's say, for example, we have, it's, a, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. And we started, woke up in the morning, do, going about our lives, you know, being busy. But then we look at our watches. It's 5 p.m. What did we do that day to stimulate growth? What did we do? And I'm not talking about just professional growth. But the vision growth we were talking about. The vision. Right. And also family growth. 
Yes. I my kids, my, my kids are home. They're not at school right now. But did I take at least half an hour out of my schedule? At least, right, exactly. To go out, spend some time with them. If it's raining, we do an activity with them. We're just hanging out, just being with them. You know, and this is one of the creepy things I do as a, as a father. Don't, don't Nobody judge me, please. You know, when they're resting, I just, I just look at them. I just observe them. No, trust me, I don't judge. I think watching a child sleep is the most incredibly peaceful and intimate opportunity as a parent. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the most beautiful thing because you see, you know, you realize where the time go. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about, pausing and reflecting, whether, whether it be professionally, when, when it comes to your vision, when it comes to your goals, but family. And yep. even when you talk about your five, your, 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 uh, the comprehensive fitness, the seven right. areas of fitness. Seven dimensions, talking, right, correct. Seven dimensions, we're talking Yeah, because the University of Pennsylvania, they only refer to five. They don't have financial, and they group nutritional into physical. Mm-hmm. So they only go by physical, uh, social, emotional, um, family, and spiritual. Um, I think that it's important for us to, to divide nutritional and physical and add financial because because if everyone is stressed about finances, especially now, right, during the COVID crisis, then it, it's something to kind of look at. So I believe in seven dimensions. Go on. Yeah. So that's it. So now, you know, we have this growth mindset. Now we're also talking about growth mindset. And this is going to be... Ken, I'm having an amazing time right now. I'm having an amazing time. We can go on for hours. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, it's as busy as we've been, uh, you, myself, uh, and your lovely wife and my wife, and, and um, during these uh, development of uh, Project Hope and everything else, it's been, it's been a joyful experience. And I told my wife la- last night, I told her this last night, and um, I, I said, just before going to bed, I said, I said, I hope I never travel ever again. And but still can make a living impacting and empowering others mm. somehow in a different way remotely, or at least I pray that I lose status in my airline so that I can just be home more often because I've learned more about my children in the last nine weeks than in the last nine years. Mm. You know how sad, but true. Sad, but what? true. It took a. It, took, it and so I look at now again the, that that this 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 pandemic problem was really a necessary interruption. And and so uh, so if you if you're using more metaphors that it, it, this intermission of our show of our life show, and well, isn't it true? In the interesting part about any kind of show that has an intermission, that the best part of that show is what happens after the intermission. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's why I think this intermission was necessary. The power of the pause. And so I'm, I told my son this uh, this morning because I don't know why it dawned on me until now, but and I think all your readers uh, and listeners and uh, uh, audience members will love this, is that I told my son, we need to journal our time and experiences so that we can reflect on our resilience and resolve during this pandemic problem that we went through. Because if we don't remember, we will, um, what will happen is that um, we, we need to be able to focus on the growth that we had as a family. Because um, 
when we have fear in our ear, um, we, it's too hard for us to believe about those things that we went through. And so uh, we're going to start this journaling routine right now and kind of catch up from it about general experiences in March and April and May and, and, then, and then catch up with it and bring it current for June. But uh, I think that's something that we can all do is journal about this and look back and pass it down and saying that, yeah, we went through this pandemic at this you know, time of 2020, and, but this is what we learned from it. And mm-hmm. um, because um, I, I think that people will really see the value and the power of the pause. I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment to soak that all in. Did you feel it? Did you feel that? Did you feel something inside of you reignite your purpose that you thought was long lost? If so, now you know how I felt back in 2013 when I first met Sergeant Ken. Understanding the notion of resilience, and I'm talking about a deep, reflective understanding of it, allows you to, how, how Ken put it, take an adversity and turn it into an advantage. You'll also have a heightened awareness of your emotions, and you're, then you'll be able to better shift your perspective, assess the situation, and adjust your trajectory accordingly through any storm. Is the journey easy? No. Um, To be honest, no journey is easy, but embracing the experience will always be welcomed. Now, in part two of our conversation, Ken and I talk Project Hope and how it grew from an idea to help a family to a global phenomenon. In the meantime, as always, remember to live every day with joy, curiosity, and passion.